You're listening to the Punk Theology Podcast, Season 1. This is Episode 13. I'm your host, Russ Shaw. little news about the podcast and the website, punktheology.com. We're back on iTunes. That's right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Ah, what else? Email. Send us an email. Podcast at gmail.com. What you're about to hear was recorded a few weeks ago, so had to fix some things going on with the feed and the podcast. Had to get under the hood and tweak some things, get a mod kit. What about you? What say you? Do you find this offensive? Do you like it? Would you share it? There's a link to our email address. If you'd like to send us an email, we'd love to hear from you. We're going to do a segment where we read some of those on the show. Uh, also, there's a link to the Spotify playlist for Punk Theology, which is growing all the time as we play some of the bumpers uh, from that on the show. The bumpers are, in the talk radio world, little bits of music that we use to kick off a segment or something we're talking about, or the beginning of a show, right? Uh, so, yeah, Punk Theology on Spotify. The link is on punktheology.com as well as a new PayPal donation button right there on the website. Patreon, if you'd like to support us there, we can do more content. They do take a bigger chunk, uh, but they also give us like hosting stuff for additional content, private content for those of you who uh, are punk theology enthusiasts, whatever that is. So... It's about time to get our hands in the shit and talk about what's really organic. Let's kick it off. There we go. The organic church, and they're using that modifier. I'm thinking that in some way they're trying to be anti-establishment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, be non-institutional, that we're going to let this thing grow up organically, whatever their interpretation interpretation of that word means. It is the fucking train wreck that it is. And we're proud of it. You know, I'll, I'll stand and say it. The vineyard, like you were, you were a part of that organization. I was attracted to the organic beginnings of the movement. So you're, uh, you're a white guy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and like, and like, sex is organic, right? Like, like it's opening up yourself and saying, you know what, this is kind of gross and weird. But we both enjoy enjoy it so much, yeah. and we're going to embrace the fact that it's kind of gross and it's kind of weird. Should we just start? We're just going to start, and we're the topic today is organic. What is what is fucking organic? I just said the swear word. No, I'm not. We're just. We're not even a minute in. We're not even thirty <laughs> seconds in, and the swear words are rolling. Uh, 
Welcome. Thank you for listening to Punk Theology. We are missing John Gayton and Chuck. But. So, but we have a sub in the group tonight. Connor is here uh, joining us. Connor. Say something. Hello. Say something to the listeners. Hey, thank you guys for having me. It's good to be on. So you're a uh, you're a white guy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> for our theme. Uh, so you're, uh, you're a <laughs> for our theme. Welcome. You are a white guy. <laughs> Not yeah, that you have John. to be a white guy. We got John Mexican. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he is Mexican. It's true. He just does not look Mexican. <laughs> Arthur's kind of a Jewish guy, right? Like you have a good chunk of Jewish blood. Not even a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> don't. Judging, we judging, judging, How do you judge judging by the hair or something. I don't no, know. No, this is all Scottish. Is it? Yeah. All right. I mean, I know you More mean hairless. <laughs> yeah. Any guy with curly hair must be a Jew. <laughs> exactly. I'm just going to throw you in the Jew pile because that's, <laughs> that's the racist fuck that I am. Um, but yeah, we need to. I'm a not real minority. We need, we need to break I'm not this. not really up. a Jew. <laughs> We need to break up the racial whiteness at some point, but I don't know. Yeah, we're this say, is we're what it is. It is the fucking train wreck that it is, and we're proud of it. You know, I'll I'll stand and say, if you are a not, not bad. white male and you want to be on the show, like there's a shot at that. Like, there is a no, shot at that. That means you can be female, <laughs> right? Yes. Exactly. Or not white. Yes. Or, or not, not white. white. Or and, but it'd be awesome if you were both. I think either. the only rule is we just don't want people who are too passionate about whatever it is. Like, we don't give a shit if you're right or not. Like, we're not here to argue. Nobody gives a crap about whether your thing is better than our thing. We don't care that much about those kinds of things. Well, so, I don't know. I think it's okay to be passionate. It's just not okay to be, like, argumentatively angry. Yeah, there you go. Like... Or trying to win, right? Right, right. right. Yeah. Like some kind of, like, this is a contest or something, or we whip out our penises and we brought the measuring tape. I mean, a lot of guys do that. That's an ego thing, right? I'm using a metaphor. Um, <laughs> anyway, so a little bit more about Connor. Connor, uh, nobody really knows <laughs> you at all. So you're you're young, you're a millennial. You fall yeah. in the millennial category. How old are you? He's man? a true millennial. Yes, I, I am definitely a true millennial. I'm 27. 27. Middle what, class. What year were you born? 90. Yeah. 90. Where were you born? Uh, Redmond. Redmond, Washington, the yeah. home of Microsoft. Yes, sir. And uh, so your parents, did they work at Microsoft? No, my dad worked uh, Boeing growing up. Mom was a uh, banker and then just lived a pretty middle-class life. Um, the epitome of the white male. Nice. So, yeah. In suburbia. It, yes, in a very suburban uh, middle-class area that uh, Marysville. I grew up there. It was okay. really small when I grew up there. Only like... 20,000 people when I grew up there. Now it's around 65, 70. Yeah. So yeah. kind of boomed up with the Microsoft Boeing boom. Yeah, the whole Nintendo. Pacific Northwest. Everything's kind of Amazon. moving north. And <laughs> Key Bank. Yeah. How many things you want to talk about? Expedia. <laughs> They're all there. Yeah. UPS. Mm-hmm. We could go on and on. Costco. Yep, Costco's close. UPS, a delivery subsidiary of Amazon. <laughs> yeah, yeah that is. Yeah. So is the U.S. Post Office now. He's like a third party. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> We're Amazon. Um, so well, thanks, Connor, and welcome. Uh, today's topic is organic, and just define organic. And part of it is a, a run-in I had with some some uh, Christian folks who had a website called Organic 
church movements or something like that. Um, I can't remember the, the name. But anyway, Derek, Derek had uh, some thoughts about organic, too. I don't want to overthink it. Like, I'm not here to present my my little thing or whatever spot. I got I got kicked. I got booted from this guy's website, this Christian pastor guy in SoCal. So, but anyway, so Derek. Tell a story. Tell a story. Tell okay. roughly what happened. Well, I was going to, I was just teeing up okay. the, the, the dissonance. Okay. But we could solve that later. But it's up to you. Let's do that. Let's do that. I wanted to tell an interesting story. And it's killing me because I already know about the the dissonance behind that. And I'm I'm dying to have that song. Dying to know the story? Yeah. Uh, This has nothing to do with anything really other than it's funny. And it's it's a good example of something really funny and really gross and kind of just, yeah. Like, I think my definition of organic is that it's kind of gross, right? Like, it's... Like, yeah, it's it, a little it dirty. Been, yeah, it hasn't been brought up in a sterile environment, right? It's yeah. just, it's just kind of there's bugs all over it. And You're gonna get shit under your fingernails, right. and so I was meeting. I actually had a thing with a friend last night here, uh, friend from college. Um, we've been friends for a long time. I just hadn't talked to him much, and we were reminiscing about college. So he and came over. To he came place over. And yeah, we were just out. kind of That's bullshitting, cool. and uh, and uh, randomly came up. Uh, the the story of the first time I masturbated in college. Okay. Um, what was that? <laughs> Wait, the listeners are like, what, what did he The say? first time I masturbated in college. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Gotta right. project, okay? Right, right. Um, oh, late bloomer. So it was like the, the third day in college, right? So the excitement had worn off. He's like, saying it's the first time you masturbated in college, not the first time you masturbated. No, not, not ever. Not, not ever. Okay, right. Like, That's good. Just in like, college. Yes, the first time I was at college and also took the opportunity to masturbate. There you go. All right. Two things coinciding. Um, it was like the third day, right? The, the excitement had worn off. It's like, like I, you know, like it's time, right? Like, <laughs> right? I'm, uh, I'm glad you made it to day three. Like, my roommate's not here right now. Like, I got to just like do this, right? right? Yeah. So, like, I'm at like full mast, right? And uh, <laughs> and all of a sudden, I realize like I have no sources of lubricant at all. Like, all of my toiletries are in the shower room. And I and and like there's just nothing in my room for for lubrication, um, so I'm looking around and looking around and looking around, and there's a bottle of uh, triple concentrated Tide. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> so I'm 18, right? And I'm not. Yeah, it's, li- it's liquid. It's full mass already. Like my, like my blood is down there. It's not in my brain, right? Like, like I've only got one goal, right? Yeah, like, like it's soap, right? It's there you soap. go. Yeah. So, so I slather and probably took you know like like the pour control on, on one of those bottles is not great. So right. I took yeah. Way more than I should have, and it worked. Like it was a little thick, right? <laughs> It wasn't like did it have like little crystals in it or something? No, it was just like like molasses. Oh, okay, there you go. So, but it worked, right? So, so I finished, and and I also realized I didn't have anything to really clean up with. So I kind of did the sock thing, but it was, <laughs> but it was just you know not really working that well, and immediately fell asleep like you do when you're 18, right? Right. Yeah. Um, Woke up the next morning and apparently shot the bear with a dart. That's right. <laughs> Down for the cow. Apparently. Anyhow. Uh, triple concentrated Tide really absorbs moisture like a lot. 
<laughs> so like I just completely desiccated my ball sack is what happened. <laughs> like you know like a like a pie crust. Oh how man. it's like soft and stretchy. Like a hacky sack? And no like a pie crust. Okay. Soft and stretchy. <laughs> right. And then you bake it and it's just like crusty <laughs> and flaky, right? Oh, like man. I basically took all the moisture out of the top six layers of my ball sack. Like, like I'm never gonna look at an apple pie the same <laughs> after this. <laughs> yeah, what what American Pie ruined uh, didn't completely ruin. I'm finishing exactly. off. So, no. And and like like I'm in full panic mood. Like like oh shit! Like I think my my sample is gonna fall off. <laughs> like this is like like poking at it. It's like crunch, crunch, crunch. Like oh, like beef jerky basically, right? Right. And like the whole thing, like everything's just covered. Um. So I go and I and I start showering. And you have just, significant discoloration. It was white. It was very white. <laughs> I thought Tide was like blue. Oh no, yeah, but like, I mean, yeah, probably blue with like white edges. It kind of looked like you know, like you see in a desert that's made out of clay. How all the you know things like kind of turn up at the edges and look like tiles. Like, <laughs> so get in the shower and start like, and okay, it's okay. It's like it's rehydrating, right? And then just like big flakes of skin start coming. Up. Oh man! Like, like like pretty much everything, and then it's like sometimes it's like, it's like to do. Uh, reptilian. Yes, it's getting bad. Like uh. it's like like a little bit of oozing going on. From, from so I'm, and you know I'm still not entirely sure that uh, that everything's okay, but uh, but get get rehydrated, wear briefs for a couple days, everything healed up. Apparently your ball sack can take a lot of damage. So, but the moral of that story is if you need to jerk off, do not use triple concentrate. <laughs> That's a bad idea. Right. You're but, saying maybe use something organic. All right? Yes. Something. Yeah. Yeah, or Clorox bleach. I wouldn't advise Clorox bleach. Gasoline. Unless it's your asshole, I guess people do. So that's the story of the first time I (laughs) masturbated in a car. Okay. All right, now transition. That's great. (laughs) How do I follow that? Um, (laughs) I'm thinking about my feet. Like, I get calluses on my feet, and now I'm thinking, hey, I just rub some yeah, freaking tide on there and maybe dry them up and dry flake them out. Flake yeah. them out. The nap is key. It's, it's the proper time. <laughs> yeah. Right. Somebody's listening to Punk Theology right now, writing that shit down, <laughs> calling the patent attorney. <laughs> and this will be in the next step. Uh, yeah, we should, we should uh, tag tide on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag tide. <laughs> <laughs> we got to take down notice. There we go. So, MCA. uh. <laughs> so yeah, that's pretty organic. <laughs> Anybody else have an organic story you'd like to share? I feel like that was an orgasmic story. <laughs> there was an S in there. <laughs> it's like wiping, and washing away. That'll clean you of your sins. I tell you what. Yeah, no kidding. It definitely like, put me off masturbating for a while. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, technical losing more yeah. skin. Technical difficulties. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, I post this thing on this guy's site. Now I can't even do that. Like that just feels really weird at this point. Like I don't know how to follow that. We can talk about penises. Just that's what I did. I said the word penis and I said bitch in a post. And neither of the which neither were one of those words were. Yeah, and it's not usually like if you listen to this show, those are pretty tame words compared to 
I don't think we've ever said cunt before, so I'll just drop that one right here. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> to make it, that is on their uh, rules. Is it? Foul or abusive language. And abusive language. And, and part of it was my tone. Like he said, it was my tone. Yeah. The guy was pretty cool. He goes, I like what you said, but just if you could not have that tone. But it was, my tone came out of a frustration. And here's the deal. And part of the, you know, the spirit of this show, besides having fun and being dudes a little bit and smoking cigars, is that, again, we're being more effective communicators. So we're not, we're not, again, we're not trying to win an argument. We're not trying to say our things better than your thing. I actually said that when he said he didn't like my post. I said, well, you can take it down and kick me off your thing. You don't want me a part of your thing. I'm cool with that. And he goes, no, I want you a part of the thing. I liked what you wrote, but the tone was just uh, offensive. How do you judge tone on it? Yeah, that's... On a, I know, and that's part of... I think part of tone... And sometimes I think I say things to shock people. Um, I'll be honest. I, I was accused of that doing the other podcast. Uh, oh, you're a bit of a Christian shock jock, aren't you? Aren't you, Russ? You know, some of the stuff Jesus said was offensive, and the religious people killed him for it. So I'm okay with offending religious people. And these there was women. There was women in this group saying that. The men should be leaders. The men should handle the reins of church stuff, and and that women shouldn't lead or be pastors or elders. And and I'm like, and that's what I posted. So I said, imagine if that bitch Mary would have just handed it to those those guys with the penises, you know, who were going through those scrolls after Jesus. What happened to poor Jesus? Right? They're sitting there. Nadia Boltz Weber is a, a great pastor in Colorado, and she has a tattoo of this um, this artwork that's in this church, and it's of Mary, and she's walking into this room where all these guys are going through the scrolls right after Jesus has been crucified, and she has one finger up. I have news, right? So the first gospel message was preached by a woman. Sorry, guys. That's it's just Christian history right there. But imagine if she would have kept her mouth shut, right? Like the guy, the, the people with the penises, they're the ones that are supposed to be, you know, saying what they're supposed to say and teaching what they're supposed to teach. And how dare us women speak into these guys doing this important work? Um, that's not the story. So that's what I brought up, and he thought it was cool. So I did rewrite it and send it to him, but they did kick me off the page. You're still on it. Oh, I am? Maybe they brought me back. I wasn't on it this morning. Yeah, members. Oh, really? <laughs> I, don't know if member? he, I don't know if he posted it. Am I supposed to post it? Like, I don't know. The thing that bothered me the most was that you couldn't word, use the word penis. Like, bitch, I can understand. But, like, doctors use the word penis. Yeah. Like, like people have penises. Like, half the population actually has a penis. Like, like you didn't say cock or dick or schlong or... <laughs> Any sort of derogatory right. term for it. Yeah. You just went straight for it. Right. You said, you know, swinging your penis around, which, like, you know, yeah, like, there's just, yeah, a certain amount of... And I was kind of going for that male ego thing. I was trying to offend the guys more than right. the ladies. I didn't mean to offend the ladies. I wasn't even allowed to post in that thread for whatever reason. That was a strange thing, too. So I posted right above it. And uh, so, yeah, it was a weird interaction. And I did say things like... I told the guy, listen, um, you might want to think of changing the name of this if you're going to pick and choose when people use strong language. 
um, as a guy who sat in recovery groups. Like part of this punk theology thing is I'm, I'm very serious about transformational faith and I think that's very punk rock and when things change in people like addictions and really bad habits and like Steve you were talking about anger and 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 Chuck seeing you know some of the stuff that was in him and this kind of soul rot he had going on and going after you know the 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 roots of that um that is a that that is a work that's done it's felt it's in action it's not. It's not done with, with watching your speech, you know. Like if you tell me I gotta not say swear words in a recovery group, like I'm fucking out. Like no. Like when I get passionate, the words are gonna flow, and I think that's healthy. So, I don't know. Just this. So I wanted to throw that out there. Maybe this is the wrong group of folks to ask. <laughs> But isn't that true? Like, if you're going to call some organic church movements, um, that that almost sounds like the, our 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 shows that we did on dealing with your shit, right? Because that's what you're that's what you're doing. The, the church has become a system, an institution in this country, and we're more focused and and we feel more important to protect the system or the institution than we do the people. And there's something wrong with that. Well, I think a lot of times, too, it's people are enamored with the idea, the topic, I, organic church movement. That sounds awesome. Yeah. But when you get into the reality of it and what that's going to look like. You throw like, that out there, you might get someone like me. Yes. Or me. <laughs> or you. Or any of us. Yeah. You know, who wants to deal with, who are tired of dealing with our stuff and want to get out there. And I, I had a breakfast with my nephew. Great kid. He's light years ahead of where I am. He's coming to this point, and he goes, Uncle Steve, all dudes deal with the same crap. He says, there's just a few of us that are honest enough to admit it. Yeah. This is coming from a 30-something-year-old... Sorry. Yeah, you, hey, guys hey, are, no, you guys are eons ahead of where I was at your age. I mean, I had nothing. I had no a clue. That was the worst part about being stupid, is I didn't know I was stupid. So, one of the things... I don't know if it's stupidity. I think it's consciousness. I would say I, mean, I would use that word. I was unconscious too. Anyway, yeah, so one of the things that I've noticed, at least uh, among Christian culture, is the idea of just always uh, thinking that they're the right Christians. They're the organic Christians. They're the yeah. true Christians. We're you doing use whatever like adjective you want to describe their Christianity to make it the soul ones for heaven. The They're the elect of the Christians. In uh, a lot of my travels, I've gone to different countries, I've gone to different churches, I've gone to different denominations, and Christians in South America and Central America are thinking Christians in America are going to hell. Christians here think Christians down there because they incorporate a lot of the mysticism of the Aztecs. And when I went to church in Ecuador, they incorporate a lot of the mysticism of the Aztec of down there and they think they're going to hell for that so a lot of this like true christians organic christians they don't really it might just be a fancy cool name that's being hip right now tossed around just to gain more followers right. get more likes that's and, a, a uh, new denominational like, name like you're saying like yeah maybe it's, it, a new way. It, it's just a way of presenting themselves marketing themselves as the new hip shit that they want to be 
Oh, subscribe to our Christianity. We will get you. We're saved. organic. Yeah, we, we're the raw, true, organic Christians. Except we won't talk about our shit. So it's we don't mention like the word penis. Yeah, if you have a penis, don't say that word. Like, Penises or, are not organic. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing organic about a penis, especially when you wash it with tide. <laughs> yeah, not anymore. That's true. That's, that's, that's the way to make it inorganic. That was not a washing. <laughs> it was a scrubbing. <laughs> Detox. Right so the thing, and I'm completely projecting my own interpretation, but if I were to hear of a group that's named organic. the Organic Church, and they're using that modifier. I'm thinking that in some way they're trying to be anti-establishment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, be non-institutional, that we're going to let this thing grow up organically, whatever their interpretation of that word means. Which makes me laugh that the members within it, even the female ones, are then promoting the institutional standards that exist elsewhere among conservative Christianity that men should be leading. Yeah. As if the authority of the Bible is so incredibly clear that on this topic that it's that it's no room to argue. Yeah, I, I mean we're talking about the same book that said you couldn't go to the temple when you were menstruating in the Old Testament, and that makes you unclean. Yeah, that notion is so ridic- ridiculously patriarchal and moronic. I don't know why people in today's society take the Bible seriously when it talks about gender roles in the Old or New Testament. I would use the word literally. Like, that's a literalist thing that people would, you know, attach to it. I see it as a big narrative. Like, the Old Testament has kind of gone into, like, we're there. Again, Rob Bell talked about this book he did about the Bible. It was brilliant what he said about, it's not that I agree with him and everything, but one of the things I love about this book that he's doing on the Bible is to realize that it was written by a lot of different people through a course of time and that the narrative has changed over the years. Like there's a lot of atheists that'll say, well, he doesn't speak out against slavery. It's like, yeah, well we do like we've arrived at that place. And why is that? It's because this, this story kept unfolding. We don't, you know, we, we don't make women wear like, um, burkas to church, you know, even though Paul says stuff in Corinthians about that, so it's it's uh, <laughs> so it's one of those things. You know, it's like it, it's 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 not that the Bible is evolving; it's that it's a story, it's a narrative, and it's not to be taken literal. And when people do that, they do a lot of damage in relationship with other people in culture, because again, like Connor said, we're just building another thing. Like this is my tribe; it's tribalism, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Basically. Absolutely. And there are a number, a number of people, which of which I were, that are attracted to that movement. That's why Connor and I went to the same church in Marysville for a year until I said that you don't need to fill your entire message. You're not a pastor. You don't need to fill your entire message with Scripture. Teach your heart. Right. That was the kiss of death for me out there. I was not long for that church. And... I was drawn to that because the rock, the music was was awesome, and and the pastor's messages were deep. That was my first real exposure. That was before Mars Hill, so that's my first real exposure into heavy Jesus. And then, and that's what people are drawn to. If you started a fellowship today, we're going to start. We'll put out flyers. Organic Christian Fellowship. 
you're going to get a lot of movement people. Yeah. They're going to come just for the movement. People like that are fed saying. up. They want to go. They're coming to the name. Yeah. But good lord, if you got people off the street coming in there, this isn't what I was talking about. What do you think organic Christian fellowship is going to be? <laughs> I think a, organic is an appeal to nature, which is also yes. an appeal to chaos. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you can't predict how nature is going to grow or what it's going to do, and it's the idea of you know doing things organically means you just kind of take a back seat and let things go where they're naturally going to be drawn to go. And if you're constantly trying to enforce purity on that, yeah. like that's the ultimate antithesis of or, or of organic, which is, you know, it comes down to the, like the organic food movement. The idea is you're just kind of letting the plant do what it does and it sits in shit for a while and then it sprouts and bugs eat at it and they shit all over it and birds shit all over it. And, and instead of taking chemicals and throwing at that to sterilize the entire thing, you're trying to just let nature do the same thing it's been doing for you know however millions of year you know seven thousand years if you're if you're younger. Organic means you stop fucking. Right, you stop fucking. Yeah, exactly. You just let it do what it's supposed to do. And and, and then there's so, the analogy so of heavy-handed banning probably not organic. Right, you're probably not organic. <laughs> Like, and, and you know it's funny, like, like one of the most ex- you know obvious examples of organic would be sex, right? But you can't say the word penis on this on this uh, board because because it's an appeal to sex. Like like the most beautiful thing about sex is not what you see in pornography. It's that sex is really gross. Like like there's you know mucus and and sperm and not necessarily super attractive parts. All of the body human body's disgusting. Yeah, and rubbing up. Well, I mean like <laughs> so we call it bumping uglies. <laughs> like <laughs> porn is the idea of taking that and purifying it into something that's idealistic. But in reality, most those are the people that bleach their assholes. Is right, the exactly. Bleach assholes. There wasn't. That's right. If there wasn't and then shaved, right, and yeah, shaved. shaved and lotioned and there oiled, you go. And 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 you know, and the v- videos all cut, right? Like, like, what's the deal with blowing their load on a woman's face? Like, is there a woman <laughs> alive who thinks that that, that was a good part. idea? <laughs> I get that. It's anyway, a, go ahead. Um, and like, and like, sex is organic, right? Like, like it's opening up yourself and saying, you know what, this is kind of gross and weird, but we both enjoy enjoy it so much, yeah. and we're going to embrace the fact that it's kind of gross and it's kind of weird. And that's that's the idea. Where we have these organic needs, right? Drives, right? Yeah. Like, 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 from a purely logical stance, like if I videotaped this and played it back to myself, like fifteen minutes after we finished, I'd probably be super grossed out. But like in the moment, there's just there's raw hormones and there's just like life just screaming like you need to do this, and that's where the beauty of organic comes in, and uh, and oftentimes you need penises. That's right. <laughs> so you're suggesting that, that this sanitized organic church movement is really a lot more like porn. Yes, it, it's closer. Yes, they should call it the pornographic church movement. <laughs> That I feel like get, we have that already. Triple X Church. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that would get a lot of uh, uh, views. I think. I don't know, but it, 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 yeah, it kind of speaks to this need in Christianity that I really grew up for, like purity. Like Christians want to live in a clean room, right? Mm-hmm. Where everything's been sterilized, everything's yeah. white. There's nothing ugly in sight. Like I'm plug my ears and close my eyes and imagine I'm in heaven already, and that's how I want to live. 24 hours a day. And anytime I'm reminded of something that's real, which also means ugly, 
Like, just throw that out. Get that out of here. That triggers me. Or human. I'm, yeah, I'm like, like that reminds me of the fact that this world sucks a lot. And I don't want to, like, I'm in here to live the fantasy, right? Like, like Christian, modern Christianity is just a big fantasy. They've, like, they might as well go to Comic-Con, right? They're not living in a reality that actually exists. They're, they're trying as hard as they can and throwing as much money as they possibly can into creating this perfect white room. But the problem with sterility is sterility is also a synonym for dead, right? Sterility means there's no microbial life at all. There's nothing organic going on. There's no life. Everything is fucking dead. And you're just, you know... Nothing's growing except nothing, what you allow. Right. Yeah. It's all completely controlled. And which isn't, you know, I also think came out of the, you know, kind of the germ discovery movement of the you know, 30s and 40s, and which was a good thing for that generation, but they took it to a way bad extreme. Well, like, like sterility is good in really, um, you know, set areas of life. Like, there's times where you just need something to be sterile, and that's good. But they took it, and they just went way, you know, we ended up with antibacterial soap, which scientists are now freaking out about. Like, that's, one, it doesn't work, and two, it's probably making superbugs. So please stop, right? Mm-hmm. It all comes out of this deep-seated need to have things be pure and white and clean, and I want every, you know, I want everything to be dead, just pleasantly dead, please. Yeah. Like, can you just kill everything for me so that I know I can't hurt me anymore? George Carlin did a great routine on the uh, swimming in the East River of New York. He says, "I never caught anything because I swim in that river. It had everything in it. But today we don't do it. You know, we get our kids inoculated. We give the shot for this, the shot for that." And it when they're four months old. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. There's a. I heard a story of people that work in these factories where they build microchips, and they have to be everything has to be totally yeah. sterile. Like there can't even be dust in the air because right. that could screw up, you know, thousands of dollars worth the of white technology. Oh yeah, white yeah. suit. And these people that work in these places get sick a lot mm-hmm. because yeah. they're in that sterile environment and they don't see. You know, they don't. They're not exposed to the germs that most normal people are. So, yeah, they end up having huge, you know, turnover with people, or people are sick all the time for sick days, and and it's it's a huge problem. But yeah, also, I mean, that computer viruses. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes, computer viruses. Oh yeah, I work in IT. Yeah, but the and the thing about that is, <laughs> it's also kind of dangerous because the only thing that could survive in that situation is incredibly virulent. Like and is going oh, to survive, right in my and it's probably really mean and like you know, yeah. Like you're putting it. It's like the ultimate evolved. Uh, There's lots of big ass from survival of the fittest. Did it hit your penis? No, <laughs> thank God. Uh, Russ just dropped a, a, a huge uh, a cigar, micro dick sized <laughs> uh, piece of ash in his lap. <laughs> I'm okay though. It landed more on my leg, so I'm, I'm good. But <laughs> he always likes to play chicken with his cigar. That's yeah. right. I like it because it tastes better. It tastes better when you have like a three-inch ash. I don't know why, but it just to me it tastes better. John always calls it Icarusing because you're just playing playing with the edge, and then sure enough, you end up with ash on your pants. <sighs> There's a metaphor. In there, there is somewhere. a metaphor. <laughs> we aren't sharp enough to well, come up with it that fast. Tonight. That's sort of a thing about uh, again uh, going back to the organic thing. Um, I, I think about that with with real spiritual community that's not afraid of swear words, for example. Uh, 
I was asked to speak at, at the church I go to after church on the topic of how you deal with marital kind of issues with your kids. And and it was an after church thing. So he did a sermon on, you know, kind of people who struggle with marital issues and, and how bad it can get. And for me, it got really bad. Like I had to confess some serious levels of fucked upness to my spouse and my kids were had front row seats for that um infidelity and me not working through my stuff and me i finally confessed it like i didn't get caught with that stuff but i did confess it i got caught with porn over and over again and that was um that was something that hurt my wife it, but so she would i didn't choose to deal with my shit a long time ago and my wife had to pay some of the price of that. And that wasn't fair to her. It wasn't fair to my kids. But I did tell that story. And, and there was a few times I teared up. And there was people in the audience who brought their kids. And they heard some strong language from me. And Rick, the pastor there, Dan, they neither one of them said, Oh, no, no. You know those kids out here, you know? No, this was a topic about real life issues that people go through, and and how that works out in a family. Because you're, it's like, it's like Dan said, um, kind of changing the oil while the car is going down the street. You know, you'd love to be able to just pull your family aside and, you know, quit your job for six months and deal with something like that. But that's not reality. And I think an organic church deals with that kind of shit. Yeah, it's almost like free-range Christianity yeah. to a sense where you're just letting it develop. And I think when you do that, there's less issues. It's like countries that have legal drugs, like, like uh, you know, and that's what they think about yeah, right. Seattle, too, like, or, yeah, or Amsterdam. There's less issues with heroin and opiate problems in countries like that because it's legal. And then you look at marijuana here, it's like everybody thought that we'd burn this fucking city to the ground by now. <laughs> it's been legal for two years. Yeah. And you know what? Less problems. Pretty much, yeah, there's a lot less problems. There's less crime, arrests for people who have, you know, marijuana charges clogging up the courts and the jails. and Black market starts to dry up and all the yeah. nasty stuff associated with that just starts to go away. And Yeah, yeah exactly. Prohibition's a really bad idea. That's kind of where I've settled. Is mm-hmm. that prohibition just is a really bad idea? Like, yeah, I, I'm definitely for like, you know, this sounds super liberal, but like the education system, or even like incentives, like like economic incentives, like make it really expensive, make it like a pain in the ass to get if you don't want people to do it, but don't like absolute abolition just creates a black market instantly. The day you abolish it is the day that the black market sprouts up and some guy is figuring out that he can make millions of dollars by selling this to the people that are that really want it. Um, and, then, and he's going to abuse a huge number of people in the process of setting that up. Yeah. And that just happens every single time. So back on your topic Sorry. of <laughs> organic, uh, it, it just... It, it surprises me that a, a movement, or at least leaders in a movement like that, would uh, respond such a way. Because I find, like, I grew up in a very, very uh, liberal household. Um, to the point where, like, I was 14, 15, my dad would give me my credit card, or give me his credit card and say, Hey, 
go to the movie theaters. Your mom and I want to spend the night together. We're going to do it on the table. Like, and go get yourself some fast food and go to the movie theaters. I live, like, two blocks away, and I'm like, okay. Like, I just go over the movies, or I'd go stay over at a friend's house and buy a pizza, because, and it, to me, that was raw. That was organic. Like, I don't know, there's a show I watched called The Vikings, and in the second episode, uh... Their, their son's sitting right by the lake bed going, just twiddling with some rocks. And the uncle comes up and is like, hey, what's going on? Mm, Mom and dad are having sex. And he's just sitting there, just chilling like it's normal. And the, it, there's nothing, like, see, to me, like, I, I grew up with that. So, like, pe- like you, you said it was disgusting. I'm like, mm, I don't think anything's like that's disgusting. I'm like, I'm all for it. But it, and then the same way, I'm like... Maybe if I grew up Christian, this would have this sort of deep-seated like, oh, this is kind of gross. Like, might have been there, but like, I grew up in a very liberal town, very liberal city, and for the most part, uh, at least the city is fairly liberal. The yeah. state isn't, but it's like, at least my family was, and where I grew up in was. So it was like, uh, I grew up in this very bu- big bubble, but then I was like. So I grew up in a very organic thing, uh, very organic. Parents were pretty free range. Like, oh, go play in the dirt pile, like out in the backyard because there's all sorts of construction happening out there. Oh, go, you want to go somewhere? Ride your bike. Like, <laughs> yeah. very just free range, organic type of thing. You weren't like that. super controlled. And then, like, when you have like, uh, you share your stories of like infidelity, and you you don't explain how painful that is without using swear words. Like, I'm sorry, kids need to hear that sort of thing so they understand. They understand, oh, shit, like, I've heard mom and dad use this word. Like, this must have really hurt him. Like, how else... They they know those words are for certain topics that mean very extreme cases, and they know those are what the words are reserved for. And so when you use the strong language, you're only accentuating how bad it hurt. So it's like... Um, I'm sorry, strong language is required when talking about topics that are really painful. Like, yeah. And when and, and, you're, and you're talking about like the, the patriarchy of the church now, like or at least fundamentalist churches. And yeah, you're right. Like it is really painful for women or at least some women to be in those things. And I guess some women accept it as normal, but it, and to me, like it's absolutely not and shouldn't be but it's part of like the organic like reflecting and thinking about alright what did the church mean what did God mean here I have no fucking idea but what I do know is I love these women who are like my sisters and yeah. why do I want them to be below me like they're my sisters yeah. like if, if that's really the honest thing you're supposed to have why do you think you're supposed to be above them Yeah, and so and it was kind of like, I think that maybe some of my mom was triggered in me in that because my mom kind of felt like she was out of the loop when it came to a lot of the Christian ladies because she'd been divorced, married and divorced like three times. And and so she had a hard time with ladies who, who used that kind of language and men are supposed to have all the answers and and uh, so, did I demean them or talk down? I didn't. I didn't try to or mean to. 
I don't know if I treated them like sisters, to be honest with you. I may have had the view of looking at them as the uh, the church lady from Saturday Night Live that, <laughs> and that I, needed I, to be put in her place. I, 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 say I don't the, know. I, I say the word sisters and brothers, but I, that's how I try right. to treat people in general. I, I try my best to do that, and that's the goal. Are, like, I have a, I need, I need to get off and this, and uh, so... The, that's that's the goal of it, and I use that language because uh, most of you guys here are Christians. Are we? Are we? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We're Jesus followers, Connor. Uh, Get with the lingo. I don't know. say who's Jesus you follow? I don't know. Our third eye might be the outliers. So you you would fall more of a you kind of uh, I, I would probably agnostic. I would be camp? a a, a very seeking agnostic okay. um, I, I'm somewhere in between where John is and where Arthur is there you go so um, I'm not to the place where Arthur is but I'm not quite yet to the place where John is of accepting uh, a, the a certain faith of Christianity or a certain sect of it so However, where I am no absolutes. <laughs> well, there are absolutes because at least wow, that's okay. an absolute. Few absolutes. A few absolutes, absolute. correct. <laughs> few absolutes. Say, we've been over some recently. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I had a hit off of Arthur's. Arthur, uh, you, you bought this, right, Derek? This is a Black Raven. This is from the Black Raven Brewing Company. That's in Redmond, oh, by the way. Washington. Yeah. And uh, it's Kitty Cat Blues. So this is brewed with. Vanilla bean, blueberries, and organic mountain-grown catnip. Organic. So must be. I don't know what's going to happen. Catnip. I'm also wearing my taco cat shirt today. My daughter got me. So it's a it's a cat in a taco, and it says "Taco Cat" spelled backwards is Taco Cat. It's palindrome week. Did you guys know that? Yes. Except it's not really because you have to take the O or the zero off the seven. Yeah, at the beginning of this, if you do it that way, if you're a computer, well, why don't you explain palindrome <laughs> week to same me? Thing. I, I'm, I'm ignorant to what palindrome week is. What is palindrome week? So pal- a palindrome is something like taco cat. It's spelled the same way. It goes forwards the same way, like forwards and backwards. Like Adam, I'm Adam. Same. Yeah, or like the, the, the date. So the dates. The, is what it is. Except all all week this week, the day, if you take the zero off, <laughs> it's the same forwards and backwards. Stop being pedantic. Yeah. <laughs> I love being pedantic. That's my deep jam. That's your thing. That's Be argumentative. You both have mustaches on your shirts today, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we do. My, my taco cat has My brother mustache. designed this. It was a quite popular t shirt for a while. Yeah. It took him a lot. Lift, stole it, and painted it pink. Yes. <laughs> Steve, um, you were part of the uh, uh, the vi- uh, vineyard. vineyard, and the vineyard, if I remember right, had sort of an organic attitude towards the way they did church. Like they would say, um, and this kept coming up in my mind, so I'm finally addressing it. Is like is like a vineyard? You you put up a, ta- a chalice, and then the vine grows on the chalice. So they would say that the church is sort of the the ladder or the pole or something that the vine can grow on. Because without something for the vine to grow on, you don't get good fruit, right? Right. So, so how was that experience for you? I guess all churches are different, but the vineyard, like you were, you were a part of that organization. I was attracted to the organic beginnings of the movement. Mm-hmm. Um, John Wimber founded it. He was a part of Calvary Chapel. Uh, he was a he played in the 
he played in a band back in the 60s. For some reason, I want to say the New Curiosity Minstrels, but I'm not sure. I don't think that's right. But Minstrels? <laughs> New Christie Minstrels. Minstrels. But he got saved, and he went to a church one Sunday, and it was over, and he went up to the pastor and says, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to do this stuff that Jesus did? Organic. What are we going to let Jesus do? And he started the whole movement on allowing the Holy Spirit to have rain. And it was pretty, pretty chaotic. And as it continued and progressed, it got more and more organized. And I was drawn to the... Actually, now looking back in in our discussion tonight, I was drawn to the organic nature of allowing the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit wanted to do, whatever, and this will blow some people away that know me, whatever she wanted to do. And I saw some stuff. Um, Was it all genuine? Doubtful. But what we would judge was the, the fruit of what we saw. And I saw changed lives. Right. I saw guys that whose marriages and, and what I was after was was transformation of the heart. I didn't really. I always say I never really cared if a guy's leg grew an inch to balance out with the other one, but I've never had an odd length foot. I was looking for people's hearts changed, marriages restored, yeah, parents' re- relationship with their kids, and vice versa. People restored. getting out of addictions. That's, yes, that's, that's what, what I, the guy was interested in too. Right. Like, you know. Okay. Do you? You still do heroin or uh, that kind of thing is interesting to me when when the spirit to use that word moves. But then there's also situations where, like Chuck Hickman was telling me the story about the place in King County that's now where they train police officers, where he was trained for the chaplain. Mm-hmm. That used to be a church, and the pastor said he got a message from the Holy Spirit that people in the church can like sleep with each other now. So he wanted to do like you know swinging, and then like have God say that that's cool. <laughs> so it wasn't too long before that church fell, and the county bought it, and now they train police officers. That church that's fell. Like I'm surprised that church didn't grow. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, that's the thing about relationships is that in every situation, whatever it is, hippies, fucking, you gotta introduce that from the beginning. <laughs> There's swingers. Like I know people who were swingers. My wife and I know a couple who they're nudists and swingers, and they've done it all their life. And for for whatever reason, that has worked for them, and they still love each other. They're still a couple. And but I don't. Th- I think they're the exceptions to the rule. You know, like I've seen communities where this happens, and it just doesn't work out. Uh, I know my therapist said we, we had this topic, and she said, yeah. I've been doing this a long time. I'm not a super religious person, but I'll, I'll tell you that that shit don't work out long term. <laughs> right. you know. well, it makes it more complicated. Yes, it makes like One relationship is yeah. already really, really difficult hard. to manage, so I don't really know how that whole like, yeah. Old Testament polygamy thing worked real well. Right. But I'm guessing it was also very complicated. It's also one of those things that some people are like, "Man, this relationship's really hard." Like, let's add another person. That'll fix it, yeah. right? Like, let's let's swing. That'll definitely yeah. fix the fact yeah. that you and I don't see eye to eye. And things. People try that all the time with kids. Right. We're having a hard time. Let's have children. That'll right. That will totally fix it. Let's have another time. <laughs> let's have another one. No. Get a puppy. Get a puppy. A multiplying even a puppy. Multiplying guy. bad <laughs> relationships <laughs> only makes <laughs> better a worse than a child relationships. Yeah. Yes. And then going as dealing with uh, the organic, as far as dealing with one's shit, is is something that's really important. But 
it's not done when churches fake things or try and hide or build systems. And I'll say that like that, that's a system. It's a it's a it's a kind of organizational system that says it's not okay to say that here, or it's not okay to ask that question, which isn't super not helpful. I have more problems with that. It's not okay to ask that question than I got than I have with it's not okay to use that language. I mean, I can respect someone that says, "Would you please not use that language?" But I really got issues with somebody tells me don't ask that question because that's what I've been asked. And that's what I've been told. Don't ask that question. Mm. Uh, for me personally, now that's just where, where I am. Because yeah. uh, I can, again, I can respect someone's personal preferences, but don't tell me I can't ask questions. I also, there's a big difference between saying you can't use that language here, and I would prefer if you didn't. Yeah, that's like yeah, well can't said. you just say that? Well said. Like, well said. Again, that's the difference yeah. between absolute. It's between prohibition. And like appealing to your own vulnerabilities, right. right? One is saying I am the authority, and you will expect me. You will respect me as authority. Yeah. And the other is saying like that's this good. is a place that just kind of bothers me. Could you like, and that's kind of a weakness on my part. And I know like you know it's just kind of weird, but could you, you know, just shift your so that I can get through this conversation without being triggered and actually pay attention to what you're saying? And those are worlds apart mm-hmm. in what they're saying. Mm-hmm. That's good. There's a big difference between. Someone saying cock and someone saying penis. Right. <laughs> like, please don't say the word dog. You can say puppy, but I don't, I don't like dogs. <laughs> I don't like dogs. Yeah, dogs so cinnamon, me. Cinnamon, the, the worst one. Uh, that's, that's cats for you. You get triggered by cats. Well, that's, that came up in my discussion with my nephew about shit. He goes, it's the hard issue. Because one man will see a pile of dog dew on the road, and he'll say dog dew, and another guy will say dog shit. And in his heart... Or his mind, it's the same thing. It's just how he expresses that. And that's that's a good point. One man's just got a whole lot of baggage of his mom beating him over the head every yeah. time he said shit. Yeah. And that's really the difference between those two. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. One of the things I was thinking about is uh, on my drive home today, I was thinking about my old church experience and how it wasn't organic. I had a long conversation with two friends, actually. And... Uh, we were talking about how our old church really didn't allow you to talk about shit when you were going through it. Like, you're not allowed to talk about your issues when you're going through them. You're only allowed to talk about them after you've conquered them. So I was like, this is a perfect topic. Like, this is a perfect situation to explain. Like, that's how the church wasn't organic. That's how my past wasn't organic. That's why I have a big focus now, at least personally, on being extremely honest, probably to a fault. Like, I'm more open and honest to people I probably shouldn't be than I am dishonest. I just tell it how I think it, and I say it, and I'm okay with being an asshole, and I'm okay with just saying it. Yeah. And just being like, I don't no, think it's this, a fault, dude. And I'm, I'm, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm just like, all right, well, this is where I'm at. Um, don't like it. Fuck off. Like, I, think that, it, it, I think that's a common problem in a lot of churches is that it isn't safe to talk about what you're going through in the middle of it, but you can talk about what you conquered. And my theory yeah. on that is, because you're not alone in that, that, that that's most churches. And my theory is there's, there's two reasons for that. One of those reasons is that 
people can't people are there to hear the victory story because they're there in some form of desperation where they're at. They put on a good face and they pretend like they have it all together and that they're good Christians, but in reality they're struggling and when they're seeing someone else struggle, it really hits home. But if you if if it's if it's something you've dealt with and conquered as you put it, then now it's a victory story and that's inspiring. But if you're in the middle of it, it's not inspiring. Now you're just struggling. Struggle's not inspirational. Yeah. No. Struggle's only inspirational if you came through the other side. The other reason is, is that those people, they're so fragile, they're so desperate, they're so not healthy. The ones who it's triggering, the ones who it's bad for. And the problem is in a church setting is the question you're left with when you get triggered by something like that and you're struggling and that makes you feel bad and you don't like it is you're stuck with the question, is the gospel even real? Yep. You're faced with the reality yeah. of, yep. my faith doesn't even seem real. God is not living up to his promises. Or even worse. But if, as long as everybody is corporately pretending that we're succeeding yeah. by talking about what was old and we've conquered, That's what I was then we're say. good. It but encourages faking. Right. When you set up a system like that, you're encouraging people and to fake so it. Sick of that or one. you're encouraging people to say that they've conquered it when they haven't. And that's even leads to more bloodshed and, and dishonesty. And that's kind of where I'm at with my faith is if it's true, then it's going to change people and it will continue to change me. If it's not true, then it won't and it doesn't. And then people use words like obedience and are you being obedient, Russ? I look at God. If God's a father, it's like looking at my son and going, I just want the best for you. I don't want. I don't, I'm not trying to, you know, tell you how to live or whatever because I want. I got some kind of pride thing, or yeah, yeah. You know, if you're a dictator, you, you're. It's an ego. That's an ego thing. I want my kids to do the shit that I didn't because I couldn't or I wasn't good enough. No, I want my kids to have a good life, and I and I love them, and I want them to reach that potential that God put in them, not me. You know, and to pull that out of them. And or pull that out of anybody else, I would say, requires that kind of, like you said, being honest. On the organic topic, it's the difference between the steaming pile of shit that nobody likes versus the one that sat over there and rotted and composted and now is turned into fertilizer. Yeah. They just want the fertilizer. They don't want the steam, steaming pile of dog shit. Yeah. The be- the, some beautiful stuff grows out of that steaming pile, though. I'll tell you it's what. It's true. <laughs> uh, I kind of... So what you're talking about with the church and the attitude in the church... I uh, correlate to Americans' view on entrepreneurship. The only people we ever hear that yeah. start a business are the people that are successful. That's true. And But the statistics say 90% of businesses fail in the first two years. Yeah. And of the 10% that, that succeed, 70% of those guys ruin their lives to get that business off the ground. But we only hear... From from the big success stories and the guys that fell on their ass and lost everything are just expected to go away and shut up. And so all of these Americans have this great idea like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur and, I'm, and then, then they just get their asses handed to them and they go, what the hell was wrong with me? Like, like man, I'm just such a failure. Now you're, you're statistically right in that wheelhouse. Yeah. And same thing in the church. There's people like I, I was I was having this conversation with a guy about about that about entrepreneurship and I said and I don't so I'm on startup number three I'll tell you a few things about my life I'm an entrepreneur I've not had a normal job in over 20 years so I was in sales 
I don't make a lot of money now, but part of it was my, you know, a lot of my own personal development. I kept getting fired. So if I could work pretty well for myself and be functional doing that. If I worked for somebody else, it usually ran into me um, on the unemployment line or having a really loud discussion with an authority figure. So being my own authority figure, I pay my bills. I'm, I'm working on internet startup number three now. Uh, but I was having this discussion with a guy, and I said, do you think people who make it in business are lucky? And he says, yes and no. And, and, and I agree with him. He, he, said, uh, he said they work their asses off, but that doesn't mean that everyone who's success, not successful, like myself, didn't work my ass off. Bill Gates is a great example. Bill Gates came along and worked on a project at the, this time. He worked really hard. He was really smart. He brought a good team in. But if, if the socioeconomic climate was the same as today... He wouldn't be billionaire Bill Gates. He would just be another dude with a startup, you know? So it's kind of like I said, like if your daughter is dating a guy, he doesn't have a job, but he's in a band, right? Well, what does your boyfriend do? He's in a band. Like, does he have a job? No, but they're going to be rich because he's in this great band. And I'm like, how many men would go, oh, fuck no, you need to break up with that guy. But if he's an entrepreneur, guess what? Oh, what does he do? Stuff with computers? Really? You know? But we we have that attitude, right? Like, we think that the guy with the computer is going to make it, and the guy with the band isn't. But both of them about have probably the same odds of making it big and rich, you know, because they work their ass off. The failures with computers don't spectacularly make news. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Back on what Derek was saying, you, you got to think, like, people like Elon Musk. Elon Musk is on his third marriage. He was married to the same person twice and divorced from her twice. Yeah. So it's like, mmm. Even though a lot he's of your saying, business successful. Yeah, although, although he's super successful, very successful when it's coming to business entrepreneurial uh, thinking and really having a creative mind. He fucking sucks when it comes to relationships, obviously. Like, I'm, he's not the one I'm going to for, oh, like, hey, how do you make this a successful relationship? I would go, hey, what don't you do? Like, if I'm asking Elon Musk, like, what don't you do? Be an entrepreneur. Yeah, <laughs> don't fucking be an entrepreneur. <laughs> don't give your entire life to all these businesses. Don't sleep four hours a night and work your entire ass off. And yeah, sure, you'll be a billionaire. But yeah, yeah. you burn your relationships to the ground. You won't have any good relationships. No, that because this guy Travis that owns Uber. Basically, it, it's, this guy was so bad at relationships, he was forced out of his own company by the stockholders because it, you know the sexual harassment charges. He goes off on a driver <laughs> in a car in front of the dash cam, which goes viral. And that's when the stockholders finally said, yeah, dude, I think you're, you're done. And that guy needs therapy. Like, seriously, that dude needs... But Does Uber have any C-level executive right now? <laughs> <laughs> like, we're like, they're completely... You know, like, they want self-driving cars right now. They have self-driving corporation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's get one of the... Yeah. Give us a computer. <laughs> Give us a computer. <laughs> a lot of us drive for both Uber and Lyft here in the States. And the funny thing is, if you ask 9 out of 10 drivers who treats their drivers better, they're going to say Lyft. Lyft. Like, why would you, you know... So, Uber... Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to talk about my, my job. 
or my little entrepreneurial thing. I think people who drive for one are kind of dumb because these two are two companies that are competing for not just writers' business but drivers too, and we can take advantage of that if you're smart. Um, I'm surprised that they don't have a non-compete clause. No. If they do that, that changes the rules, and then no, like the unionization and all that. Yeah, but, yeah. so then they have to be employees. Yeah, then we'd be they would have to be employees. They've looked into it. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Sure. yeah. yeah. they don't want us it, doing it, this be, either. Being a, a part of a lot of things where I've had to sign a few NDAs, and uh, I I've seen one NDC, and I was like, I'm not signing that. And they were like, What? And I was just like, I'm not gonna sign that. You want another tour manager? You're gonna have to sign somebody else. What's an I'm, NDC? A non-compete. Oh, a non-compete clause. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's like it. And non-compete, I'm just not going to sign it. It, it right. just it is not going to work. So, yeah. go Brim left. NDAs, like, it, NDAs are one thing. Like, you don't disclose some of the insider stuff you're learning about. That's fine. Yeah. I won't do that. But it's like, uh, NDC, you, like, lock yourself in. And it's like, right. I'm working for you guys for six months. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Somebody else is going to pay me more, I'm out. Um, my second uh, internet startup kind of company was I had some ideas around what's now kind of like YouTube it wasn't YouTube it was different it was like licensing uh, video channels this was in 1999 licensing video channels for people to do like their own video stuff and they could upload them to a, like a channel and they could buy their own channel and we would sell contracts that way and this company was really interested in that uh they were called UUNet. they were an investment capital company and they, they called me this is like dot com land fucking 90s right i didn't even finish high school but they're calling me up one day happy money and uh and i'm like yeah we signed all the non-disclosure forms we signed you know all this stuff and two weeks later the nasdaq crashed and you know, they call me back and go, yeah, we still like your idea and you can put it on our machines, but we can't pay you. <laughs> we can pay you in stock options. We can give you a chunk of our little company here, but we can't. I go, well, I have a family. I can't pay my family in stock options. So I was out. Uh, but yeah, that was heartbreaking. That was another thing with my faith because I was going to a church at the time, talking about the prosperity gospel. I'm going to this church that says, hey, if you give your 10%, mm-hmm. God's going to bless you. If you, you know, you're, you're a good person and all that and you're, you're giving your money. And, and I thought, wow, this is really working. It's coming together. And yeah, no. And then I thought it was because I looked at porn. Like God wasn't blessing me because of my porn habit. I've definitely been there. And so that way, <laughs> throughout the have you been there too? Yeah. Like, so what the fuck I'm is that? going wrong? Oh, it's because of the porn. I knew it. Oh shit! <laughs> That's the only logical explanation. <laughs> That's got to be it. <laughs> it, then I just, so, it couldn't be any of those other million uh, variables. It's definitely the thing that has nothing to do with what it. What I just. What just happened? Yeah, and so that's kind of where when I was kind of where you were talking about where you're at. Not that our lives are any similar, but I was like, "Fuck!" If whoever this God person is, fuck this person, fuck God. Like, what? Where the hell is God? And that was another thing that I had under the surface, kind of like what Chuck was talking about, because I had been abused sexually, and I just never told anybody that until I was 38. But that was always in the back of my head too. Like, why did that happen to me? And then you think about elect, and that fucks with people too. Like maybe I wasn't elect, so that's why this fucker 
did what he did to me when I was a kid and created this weird fucking habit or whatever. However, I thought that, that was working itself out. And, uh, yeah, so it's weird how, how faith and religion really fuck with people. Did I make it weird? I just sat no. in the room. No, you made it weird, Russ. No, you just, you just spoke a lot of the truth of what <laughs> the dogma of a lot of our Christian state is, or a lot of what the Christian church has to deal with. And it's it's sad because I've seen a lot of positives come out of the Christian faith, yeah. but I've also seen a lot of the negatives. And to me, it's like, uh, a lot of the new atheist movement pushes for all oh, all religions bad. I don't think that at all, but because I've seen otherwise. But then again, I've also seen a lot of what they've pointed out, and I'm like, totally true. On your yeah. on your point, it is easy, especially in this podcast, to start get on to you know shitting on the church type of thing. Yeah. But it's important to keep in mind, like humans are going to fuck up everything they do. Yeah, like, guaranteed. There's mm-hmm. going to be something about it that's positive and something about it that's negative. And there's never been a system that's been invented that didn't have some really sinister backlash that nobody was anticipating. Yeah. And like, and like that's. It doesn't matter how big your church is. It doesn't matter how you lead your life. At some point, we're just really bad at anticipating the shitty stuff that's going to happen. And and part of life and being organic is accepting the fact that a plague of bugs is going to come in and eat all your plants, right? Like, from the organic farming standpoint, like, something really shitty is going to happen at some point. It's not if, it's when. Those are plagues, and they come from God. (laughs) Right. But then, see, but that's part of this conversation, too. And there's people that talk about podcasts like this one, you know, like the Drunk Ex-Pastors and Losing Our Religion and all these podcasts that are out there. But the funny thing is people think that that's new. And it sort of is as far as culture is concerned because we're saying things that you can't say in church, right? But if you crack open the freaking Bible, that's what a lot of these guys were writing about. Like, look at the Psalms. Or where David's going... Where are you? You know? Or you look at uh, Habakkuk. Please kill everybody. <laughs> Please put a kill boot, everybody. Put a boot <laughs> through the fucking head of my enemy's children. Like, we never said that shit here. No. Or you look at Paul in the Bible talking about circumcision. It's like, oh, you guys are so fired up about circumcision? Why don't you just go all the way and lop the rest of the thing off, right? Like, we've been critical Whoa. of the church, but we never What's told a guy to What's cut his thing? Johnson off. <laughs> Johnson? Oh, God. Please don't. Or Lamentations. There's another one. Lamentations. Um, the city's in fucking rubble. Where the hell were you? Right. That's in the that's in the Bible, people. And you're going, you're talking about being organic, and you're saying, oh, you you know, you can't use harsh language. God forbid we offend someone. When I was going through my shit, I was disappointed. I didn't have good enough friends. No one told me to curse God and die. <laughs> right. <laughs> that sounds great. That was one of the things. My friends are pussies. <laughs> my curse God and die, Joe. My first, uh, my first counselor said, "Read the Psalms," because I was saying that too. I'm sitting in his, his office and I'm going, "The only reason I'm here seeing you as a Christian counselor is because I can't really afford a real one." <laughs> And he said, said, but he encouraged me because I'm like going off on God. Well, if God's real, fucking, why did this happen? Why is this happen? Why is it? He goes, you ever read the Psalms? He goes, do that. Read the Psalms. 
and do it for every day for 30 days and, and see what the spirit stirs in you. You can get quiet in a quiet place and do it. And that was really helpful for me because I really didn't realize that that... Like, I grew up in, in Christianity and didn't realize that here's a guy who was just... This is music, too. And a lot of it's punk rock. A lot of it's metal. metal. <laughs> Fucking eight, Psalm 88 ends with, and darkness is oh my only friend. Selah. Like, I love that that's in the Bible. Like, it's fucking real. That's real. But you, know, you can't use that in organic Christian yeah, and you, you got a you terrible think, little meme guy to put on your Facebook. This is the guy that has it all. This is the Elon Musk of exactly. that century. He fucking <laughs> he has six hundred wives, six hundred concubines. Fucking is fucking two to three times a day. And if you touch him, somebody's gonna slit your head. <laughs> like this guy has it all, and yet he's like whining to God for something. And don't let me be the judge of him. If I grew up that way, I would be the same way. And, and it's like, we all have that those complaints. We all go Ecclesiastes. I love that. Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 7. Ecclesiastes 7. This is what it says. Uh. The end. The end is coming to the four corners of the land. The end is here. Like, what? Like, yeah, just, when you just start posting like those, like you know, like those super cheesy Christian verses, like taken out of context with like flowers in the background, <laughs> we should do punk theology versions. I know we just, should. Like, super fucked up verses. I was thinking about that. Or put them on mugs. We can sell T-shirts. Right. My my favorite is that one in in uh, it, it is very punk theology. Uh, uh, Matthew 23, where Jesus is going off on the Pharisees. It's like an all-out rant on self-righteous religion. And in that, he says, don't call anyone else authority. Don't call anyone else father. I'm your father. Your father in heaven's here. Don't call... You know, see, you, that's not something you, you see Christians selling at the Christian bookstore. You won't see that. 2,000-year-old, who's your daddy? <laughs> who's your daddy? I'd buy it. Put that on a mug, baby. <laughs> Who's your daddy? Jesus. Said Jesus. There's a lot of stuff in there. Um, he calls them whitewashed tombs. He calls them children of the devil. I love that. Your your mom shagged the devil and made you. Like we never said that on this podcast either. But Jesus said stuff like that. You know. To to the religious elites, and that's who they were. This idea that Jesus. Uh, was starting a new religion. No, he was a Jew. He is a Jew, and his own people killed him. <laughs> he was yeah. He was a brown guy who didn't have flowing hair, and and wasn't in a metal band. I like apparently looks Scottish. <laughs> we have a track that a woman gave me, and she was Catholic. And bless her heart, she was sweet. She was a little Mexican lady, and we started talking about. And I was just I was sort of pushing back on her with Jesus where was God where was God when uh, when you know really fucked up shit happened where, where was God when kids are raped and stuff like that where where's God when that happened just, I was kind of like testing her a little bit she's like oh, oh honey I'm deep. so sorry like people people hurt and people suffer in this life and uh, just, I didn't really understand totally what she said but she. <laughs> she <laughs> She was very Mexican, and, and God bless her for that. But she gave me this little card that I brought to Derek's, and I'm holding it in my hand now. It's, it's Novia, the sacred heart of, of Jesus. Yeah, I'll put this on the Facebook page.
is a burning thing And it makes a fiery ring Signing out with a little Johnny Cash on this episode 13 of season 1 Kind of ended abruptly there Not sure what happened to the rest of the audio on that one, but it was about over, about there anyway. So (laughs) that's where the podcast ended. Hey, if you like the podcast, would you subscribe? Hit that subscribe button. Uh, Tell a friend. I don't know. Share an episode. That would would, uh, scratch that itch. Thanks again for listening. Again, Punk Theology Podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Till next time, bye.